Welcome to That's a Wrap, episode number 36. Talking about Jurassic World and Jaws, two blockbusters, a modern blockbuster and the original blockbuster, uh, because today, this week or last week marked the 40th anniversary of Jaws. So that's exciting. Um, for that's a wrap, I'm Eric Marshall. I'm Nick Schlegel. And I'm Chris Cullen. All right. And we are three guys with PhDs who like to talk about media and culture and film and stuff. Um, <laughs> so we had this kind of unintentional hiatus. Uh, so it's been a, it's been a little while since we last talked to you, dear listeners. Uh, but we're back, and we're we're back in action, and ready to go. Uh, it's it's been a while since some of us have talked to each other as well. Uh, what is new with you guys? I know Nick's got something new. Nick, do. why don't you take it take it away? <laughs> well, you know, on previous podcast for you know the better part of two years uh i've i've mentioned almost you know on every podcast the some sort of status update with my book whether it was um you know oh i've uh, i've put together proposals at you know a couple publishers or it's nearing completion or i'm still copy editing or i'm working on the index all of those previous status updates are now completely archived because it came out it's done it's a done deal done and dusted uh the publication date was June 11th. Um, I received author copies shortly after that. Review copies are going out now. Um, and then customers are getting their copies also now, too. Uh, another, a former student of mine posted on Facebook uh, the copy in her lap. So, obviously, orders are being fulfilled by Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And How many author I'll, copies did they give you, just curiously? Well, the it varies from, from um, publisher to publisher. My publisher, it's a little on the low end, but that's that's um, compensated by the fact that they're very generous with review copies and oh, with nice. uh, and with copies to those who worked on the book. So, um, like Jack, who wrote a, a foreword for it, and um, Carlos, who wrote a foreword for it, uh, Eugenio Martin, who I interviewed in Madrid and whose interview is presented in full in the book, you know, is getting a copy. Javier Romero and Bilbao, he's getting a copy because he put he, he contributed images to it. So, like, they're really good with giving copies to a list of people that worked on the book. They're extremely generous with review copies. If you're reviewing the book, they send it out to you. But they're not as liberal with author copies. They're, they're on, the, on, the, on the lower end of that. Um, and, and that's because mine were, pretty, were already spoken for the minute I got them. <laughs> I've managed to keep two. Of my of my author copies, <laughs> two, two your uh, that are that are yours that are mine. One's on the shelf and one is for show. Basically, if I'm showing it to some people, you know, so the display uh, copy, the display copy. That's it. So, um, and yeah, cool. I would recommend to listeners if they're interested in, in purchasing it. Uh, the the big sale that's going on through August is at Roman R O W M A N dot com. Roman has a 35% off sale going on. And the you know the price point of the book is high because it's it's academic and um so it's in a higher price market. And secondly, the, the libraries are the major target for the first year of release. So libraries um 
which aren't concerned about the expenditure on a book, on a new, a new book that they're modeled to have for their film reference section, they, they just buy it. You know, I've already went online and saw that, like all the major, uh, I, you know, through the world catalog, you can see which, which, uh, libraries are, are buying your book and so it's you know it's in dc it's in chicago it's in austin it's in madison oh, you know, so cool. all the university libraries are stock you know stocking up on it and so that's why it has a high price point uh, it later will drop but the thing is is that um if you're interested in a copy they have 35 percent off which brings the book down to 48 bucks which is you know reasonable for a book like this that's a that's a good it's, it's uh, very competitive excellent and you can so you've seen what what libraries have ordered it yeah, well, I see where the libraries have it in stock right now. Oh, cool! That's, That's really slick. Through the that world, really slick. Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I, I will, uh, I, I will recommend it to my library. I will recommend it to them to Please pick it do. up. Yeah, I yeah, thought you were going to say maybe I'll write a book. <laughs> maybe I'll write a, write a book. Maybe I'll write a book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's on the it's on the docket in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that's really exciting, Nick. Um, I've seen it. I've held it in my hands. It's uh, it's a really nice book. Um, really well put together. Uh, well written, obviously. We already know that. But it's um, it's uh, it's really it's a really nice little treasure. It would be a nice parcel to receive in the mail. <laughs> yes, it would be a great parcel. Um, I, for if this is your first time listening to the podcast, the book is called "Sex, Sadism, Spain, and Cinema: The Spanish Horror Film." A lot of S's. We like the idea of the alliteration. And um, it's a it's a book that sort of traces the genesis of the Spanish horror film horror, horror films uh, endemic to Spain, as well as the co-production era where they were um, making co-productions with other European countries. And um, you know, I, so it was a labor of love and passion. I worked on it for a long for many years. Um, I mean, I could have gotten it done a lot sooner, but there was the thing of like of teaching full time and getting a PhD that got in the way. <laughs> Details, little, <laughs> little <details>. things, <laughs> but it's finished. Yeah, yeah, and that's the important thing. Cool. Uh, anything for you, Chris? Oh God, it's uh, it's it's summer in New England. You know, it's it's a it's a great time. Uh, it's been actually kind of rainy recently, which we need the rain. Um, but my son is here, and we've been having a a really enjoyable uh, summer. I'm not teaching this summer. So right. I've been just hanging out and uh, my uh, been, been you know still keeping up with the work. I'm part of a summer scholars group from my department. So we uh, we meet every couple of weeks, have lunch and discuss what projects we're working on and I'm I'm working on one particular project right now. Uh, it's an article, but I'm also expanding it into uh, proposing um, legislation here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which, uh, we are unique here in that any citizen can propose legislation to um, to go forward. And if you if a congressman sponsor uh, sponsors it, so much the better. Uh, but any citizen can do that. So I'm, I've got a paper that I'm working on uh, that's almost done, ready, almost ready for to be submitted for publication. That I'm also kind of double du- double duty on it and using it uh, to uh, support. Uh, to propose legislation, uh, so it's uh, don't want to get too much into detail right now with it, but um, I'm currently uh, they had a similar law passed in uh, Vermont, which is similar in the sense that you know Democratic legislature going. So I've been reading their laws and getting very familiar with legal terms and um, 
been working on uh, on on working on this on this bill. So it's been it's been it's been a fun a fun summer in that sense as well. So I've been somewhat productive. So, uh, but it's been a good summer. I will I will say that it's been been a, a good summer, relaxing but still uh, somewhat productive. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Good. I have some very important updates. Okay. For listeners, uh, so. People might remember if you listened to the last several episodes that there are a few movies that I admitted to not having seen in the past. So since I've last talked to you guys, I have watched Boogie Nights. Woohoo! And I loved it. Yep. And I've watched Castaway from beginning to end. Yes. And uh, so now you can stop harassing me and hassling me on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> I've seen Boogie Nights. <laughs> I've seen Castaway. I was actually looking through. You know, our last episode was the uh, our top ten of the of the eighties, and there's a movie that completely escaped my um, my attention. That actually probably would have been probably would have been in my top ten, if not in my top five. Um, I guess I didn't realize that the cook, the thief, his wife, and her oh. lover was 1989. Wow. I think I must have. I don't know what I was thinking. But, I thought it's not early 90s. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought too. Uh, and so it completely was not even on my list. So that's another thing that I, I was just. I don't know why I was even looking it up, uh, but I found it. I was like 89. I said that should have been in my list. So oh, I love that film. I, I don't know what it was supplanted, but um, yeah, I was like, what an oversight. <laughs> so I was gonna post it on our Facebook page, but I forgot. Um, we do have a Facebook page. Uh, most a lot of you already like it, but go ahead and you know find that's a wrap and like our Facebook page if you want. But those are my big updates. I've watched Castaway and Boogie Nights. <laughs> And you're working on used cars, from what I, from what oh, I can tell. Oh, yeah, I finished that this morning. I uh, So in, in preparation for our Robert Zemeckis episode that we're yes. going to do later in the summer um, or fall, whenever the Wire movie comes out, uh, I watched used cars last night and this morning. And uh, it's, it's it's pretty good. I think Nick, you said it's the best comedy ever made. I think is what your quote was. It's a it, it's a yeah. It's a it's a, it's one of the greatest one comedies of, yeah. ever made. It's quite good. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's it's silly, you know. Um, but it's I'm glad I watched it. So and yeah, it's, 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 it's silly in the way that like you know, I mean, the, there's a history between that film and Airplane. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, in fact, there's there's we can talk about that when we do the episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll save that. But it's but, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's his only rated R film. I think you told me. It is, yeah, so. and it's just it's raunchy and <laughs> it's so raunchy. so un PC. Totally. And yeah. Kurt Russell just you know, and the the cast of characters and and this sort of absurdness of it all. Fifty yeah. bucks never killed anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it is absurd. I, I picked up a copy of it. I just haven't watched it. Yet. Yeah, it's, okay. it, you should give it a try some some late night when you when you can't sleep or something or you know before <laughs> before we do the Zemeckis thing for sure. I say late night because you don't want your son in the room when you watch it. It's pretty. Oh no 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 no, no, no! It's in my top ten. Yeah. So it's yeah. So now I've seen that as well. So that's what summer's for for me. So I'm catching up on uh, uh, movies that I I should have seen perhaps, but but haven't. So yeah, that's my big update. <laughs> nothing nothing major, but <coughs> excuse me. Um, I'm, I think I've got a either a cold or allergies. I think it's allergies uh, going on, so I might be coughing from time to time. But uh, is that it for pickups? Right. So, but right, excellent. Let's get into uh, principal photography. We have two segments this week. Principal 
Principal Photography. Welcome to Principal Principal Photography, Segment One. Uh, the three of us have seen Jurassic World, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, the whole Jurassic. I guess universe, right? Uh, the the most of the most recent film, but also the legacy of the original Jurassic Park movies. Uh, this was Chris's idea. Uh, Chris brought the Jurassic thing to the table, so I guess Chris, maybe you should uh, introduce. Sure, no problem. Uh, well, you know, the the reason I I thought this would be a good thing to talk about is uh, there's there's so much going on. Uh, you you've got a lot of nostalgia that goes with with. Steven Spielberg's original film, uh, Jurassic Park. And I, I've seen all four films, and I saw all four films at the theater. And um, they're blockbusters in the, in the most classic sense of the word. The film Jurassic Park was groundbreaking in its use of special effects. Uh, the, the characters, both real human characters and the, the the animated dinosaurs have have kind of gone become part of our popular culture uh, so the second and third films I thought you know they, they they came and they went and they 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 really weren't well received overall they were just kind of follow-ups for more dinosaur you know more dinosaurs to chomp on more people uh, and then when you have this this latest film I uh, I, I was really excited about it because it was a blockbuster that wasn't a superhero movie. Uh, that's part of the reason I, I, I was very excited about seeing this film. Uh, I'm not a huge, uh, I think I probably mentioned this before, I'm not a huge fan of superhero movies. Um, so I, I usually regard them with a fair amount of disdain when I, when I go see them. Um, so this was a fun blockbuster uh, to see. Uh, during this during the summer, and it, there's there's a lot of references to the original film. It's a popcorn film, but also I think uh, I I found myself as in the first film rooting for the dinosaurs uh, <laughs> more than the people. So every time somebody got eaten, I was pretty much happy, uh, just because of the fact that the way the 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 nature of control that man thinks that they have that that, that you know we think we're at the top of the food chain. Uh, but we're, 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 we're down there, I, I, I think. And the, the kind of the, the things that come out of the film that you can be, that can be gleaned beyond just the special effects and the wow, uh, factor of the, of seeing these dinosaurs. I think there's, there's more that can be said sociopolitically and regarding genetics and ethics and stuff like that. So I thought that this would be a fun, fun series to tackle because, uh, it was so so much part of a popular culture and um you know after 20 25 years they decide to revive revive the franchise so i thought it'd be something fun to talk about yeah great yeah i think and you're absolutely right and that's a, a great way to, to put put it into context and and i think why it's a great idea for an episode particularly now with uh with Jurassic World fresh in the theaters it just opened uh, what, 2 weeks ago Two, about that, yep. Two weeks ago, I think this is his third week now, and and it's just you know as usual, it's setting records, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, we saw it, and when we saw it in the evening on a weekday, it was uh, packed. Well, no, it wasn't packed. It was about half full, but it's still, yeah. you know, our our, our theater is uh, pretty much the only theater in our, our area. Uh, we live in a small town in central Massachusetts, so. Um, 
this is the main theater that people come to. So it's it's usually pretty busy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is breaking records as you as you say, Nick. Um we all saw it. I think we all liked it. Um I uh I might be a little different from you guys because the actual Jurassic Park movie, the original, uh was not fresh in my mind at all. I haven't seen it probably I don't know, since around the time it came out, perhaps. I think I've seen bits and pieces oh, wow. of it on TV, or I've walked into the room while while someone else is watching it and stuff. Um, but it wasn't like, it was not really part of my my movie DNA, I guess you could say. Um, it came out, at a, I guess, at a weird time for me. It came out in 1993, which is, uh, let me do the math. It's the year I turned 21. <laughs> it came out I'm, oh I'm looking at it right now it came out on my 21st birthday the, I, that's so weird it came out wow. on my 21st birthday day. Wow. June 11th 1993 was my 21st birthday and that's the day Jurassic Park came out so that's probably why I missed it <laughs> yeah. I completely missed it when it first came out and I saw it later on on uh, DVD or VH DVD um, so there were there were some references in the movie that to the original Jurassic Park that I I had to listen to other people laughing for me to get that they were references to the original movie. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, you know. So, um, I mean, I know the movie. I know Jurassic Park really well. It's just been a long time, if that makes if that makes sense to you I'd guys. actually seen it recently because um, several of the cable channels have been running it. Because the, the film came out, you know, with the, with the new one, they've been running Jurassic Same. Park, Lost World, and Jurassic Park 3. So, um, Steve, my son... Uh, whose four had been really interested in seeing it. So we've actually watched um, Jurassic Park, Lost World, and Jurassic Park 3 at least twice for each film over the course of the last month and a half, you know, or month month since he's been here. So it was fresh in my mind. And I, I was a big fan of the books. I think that also um, should be mentioned with me is I love the film, but I was a really big fan of Michael Crichton's original novel. I think I've read it maybe four or five times. Uh, I haven't read it. Have you read it, Nick? I did read it, yeah. Okay, so I'm the only one who hasn't read the books. Um, I guess, is it? am I weird that dinosaurs don't excite me? Maybe maybe that's what it is. That's, uh, I don't, yeah, maybe I'm just weird like that. Um, well, isn't that one of the lines in the movie when uh, Br- Bryce uh, Dallas Howard says, um, to them it's like, you know, seeing a an elephant in, in the zoo, you know, like, yeah, sores have become once they're common, you know, once they're with us again, there's there's nothing magical anymore because it's it there's no there's no time or distance now. They're not yeah. extinct. <laughs> they're right in front of you. So yeah. um so maybe that's uh we you've been living with dinosaurs for so long. It's an just, interesting uh, that's an interesting point and it actually uh dovetails a little bit with one of the things I noticed about the film, uh which is that you know, back in our day when we were kids, you only had like four dinosaurs, right? We had the Tyrannosaurus Rex, Brontosaurus, the Pterodactyl, and maybe yeah. a Stegosaurus. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like the four, four that would come to your mind. Yeah. And then after Jurassic Park, obviously, there was a whole world of different dinosaurs, and it, it really sparked a, um, you know, an interest in dinosaurs. But that wasn't the point I was going to make. The point I was going to make was that um, I actually write about Jurassic Park a little bit in my dissertation in Chapter 1 um, to talk about the idea of verisimilitude mm-hmm. uh, because the you know, Jurassic Park, it, it, it's well known, obviously, for its special effects. And the 
you know the the major kind of um, feat that the that the special effects performed for us in 1993 was these dinosaurs looked real. They had the the look of reality. They looked like they were um, interacting with the humans and other things around them, and and they looked like they were part of the world. I think that was the big thing. They didn't look like CG, right? And that was the huge thing. It was this: we get we've entered this new era of verisimilitude um, in cinema with digital cinema, and I think that that's absolutely correct about Jurassic Park. I think Jurassic Park does mark uh, that it's is the hallmark of that era and of this kind of new new thing we're in. But now absolutely. we're we're all these years later, um, twenty something years later from the first Jurassic Park, and you expect verisimilitude. Like that's it's yeah. just a given now, you know. And, and we're at a stage now in 2015, and we have been for for five, ten years at least, where uh, digital and live photography are are virtually indistinguishable. You know, uh, there was that big kerfuffle with Life of Pi where um, it won for cinematography and a lot of special effects people were like, that's not cinematography, <laughs> that's special effects, right? That's visual yeah. effects. Um, so there's, there's a complete breakdown of that. So I think going into this movie, it had a different challenge, right? The challenge of the original Jurassic Park was to convince you that these things looked real. Right. The challenge of this was, I mean, it's it's kind of what they say in the movie, bigger, right, uh more teeth, bigger and more the, teeth. Yeah, more teeth, right? You know, you want it to be us interested, exactly. Yeah. And and to that end, they do a pretty good job. Yeah, let's face <laughs> facts here. I mean, it, it's almost like there's a the, a nice analogy to be drawn between what they're designing genetically these dinosaurs to do and what they've designed the film genetically yeah, to do and absolutely. and it's it's uh what it was designed to do in my estimation it it delivered pretty much with like flying colors uh if you if you're going into it expecting you know Shakespeare I mean once again you're probably going to be you know disappointed it's not what it's designed to do but what it was designed to do it got me I um I was charmed by Chris Pratt and, and I enjoyed yeah. uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and I loved the dinosaurs and and the kids were not overly annoying or cloying or you know any of those uh, uh, things that kids can be. Um, the it seemed to be true to the franchise and true to itself and um, I enjoyed it. You know what can I say? It was uh, it was it was good summer fun. Um, which is mainly what they said about Jaws when it came out. <laughs> good, good yeah. summer fun. So, <laughs> keeping with that tradition, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I think, I think Jurassic World was a lot of fun. What, what about, what about you, Chris? Uh, pretty much the same thing. When we walked out of the theater, the first thing we said is, you know, that was just a fun. It was a fun summer blockbuster. Um, yeah, I mean, as as scholars, do we have a pro? Are we going to have problems with it? Are we going to find fault with it? Sure. Uh, you know, the, the idea of the, the trainability of the velociraptors and, you know, he's, you know, they, you go from at the very, very beginning, that scene where the raptors uh, or the very be- first film where the raptors are going through the, the, the kitchen and they're like these ferocious, you know, cunning hunters. And then suddenly they become like Chris Pratt's pets, yeah. um, like his, his dogs or his lions or something that I, I found that a little bit. Tough well, that's to not su- suddenly, Chris. That's twenty years. Don't forget. No, I know. Sudden, I, 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 I realize that, but it, it, it just it's believable in the framework. You know, twenty years. 
I, I suppose, but I just, I, I found it a little silly. Uh, but overall I liked it. I thought the, the final climactic dinosaur fight was, was, was great. I thought the, the special effects were great. I loved the, the hints to the original film, the the use of the score, like the, you know, when, when they're first getting to the Island and you hear that, uh, I thought that was nice. Um, I mean, Chris Pratt was fine. Bryce Dallas Howard was fine. Uh, the kids were fine. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, it was, it was a summer, it was a summer blockbuster and I think it, I enjoyed it more than, like I said, a lot of the other summer blockbuster Avengers types films. Uh, I, I, and maybe, and maybe that's just because I like dinosaurs more than superheroes, but <laughs> that's just, that's just, that's just me. Yeah. That, that dino battle at the end was awesome pretty epic it was pretty epic yeah, yeah gotta was, say yeah. that not to give anything away but there's a dino battle in the end and it's awesome um and you know me i'm on record as not really liking battle scenes that much especially well i guess the, the superheroes would be the where you see a lot of battle scenes but yeah it was pretty it was pretty outstanding. It was well, pretty... it was the uh, the beat structure of that of that battle, yeah. starting with when they get out. You know, you start using the Raptors to its climax. That is just really smartly written. Uh, it doesn't go on too long, and there's nothing really where you shake your head and go, "That's ridiculous." It just kind yeah. of works. You know, it's a really strong finish. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, I agree. Uh, they 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 kind of crafted the storyline perfectly. Um, I like the fact that they kind of saved the rapster raptors, mm-hmm. uh, for the end, yeah. uh, and kind of to bring them into this climax. So I thought that was, that was, that was really cool. I, I loved actually, the one thing I really loved was the opening, uh, the opening shot, the opening shot of the, the Indominus coming out of its shell. I thought that was a really cool way to open oh, the film. Cool. Yeah. That was a cool way to open the film. Yeah. Little teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was you know it was nice to see like you know uh, Henry Wu back and 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 um, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was a great yeah. antagonist and it was it was it was funny to see him get eaten. Judy Greer. I love Judy Greer and and it's just nice to see her working you know and in, yeah, in, in major nice. films and stuff. She's she's wonderful. She plays the parents of the children, and you know um, just like to see her. She's so good. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was and you know like I said the 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 par- the, the thing I, I think I liked the most was just the parallels and references to the first film. This film was was I, I loved it but it was also very nostalgic for me. Um because I was in uh let's see 199 this came 1993. I was a senior in high school. Um when I when this film came out. Uh so um cuz I graduated in 94 no, yeah, yeah, I graduated in '94, so I was a senior in high school in this film. So there's a lot of nostalgia. I saw this at the theaters, I think opening day. Uh, you know, so it was. It really kind of brought me back to that that time. And uh, so there's a lot of a lot of nice little nostalgia. I like the the when they go back to the original visitor center. Uh, that was oh, yeah, that, that was, was that cool. was that was really cool. Um, so I think overall it was it was kind of a great way to to end the franchise. You know? oh, that's just it. If, if genre t- teaches yeah. us anything, this uh, will. It, it, this is probably doomed to repeat the cycle of the first trilogy. Yeah, I don't know. There's no debating that, Chris. I mean, it's if they would make a sequel to this, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, there's you know, come on, a se- 
That's how Hollywood works. If there's more money to be made with a franchise. Well, yeah, if there's more money to be made, that's true. However, industry, period, end of story. Right, right. Uh, but the, the thing that I would just disagree with you there is that because of the fact that uh, Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 were so disappointing, um, I'm thinking that this that, that they may just kind of be, and the fact that this was so expensive. I mean, you you remember what? So you're you know, supposing we, that executives have some working function or knowledge of their own history? They don't. <laughs> why do we? Why do you think we constantly get the same old shit over and over and over? If they smell money, if they do the math, they will make the sequel. Yeah. You I know would, this is. A I fact. will put money on this podcast right now. Like if I had to bet one way or the other, I would bet there will be a sequel to this. Yes, and this was—they just said this is the, the biggest grossing film of all yeah. time, and it's an initial intake. So naturally, yeah. it's going to get a sequel. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if it didn't, and I'd be well, surprised. I will, if I will it was actually take good. that bet. <laughs> okay, uh, and 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 as a matter of fact, let's 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 put something real on it. Let's 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 put um, beer. 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 Yeah. beer. Let's put <laughs> let's put a round of beer. Uh and if they if they decide to make a sequel, I don't I don't I understand the executives are idiots and you know, I, I, I understand. I've 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 I know that too. But I mean Lost World was such a bad film compared to the first one. Um and these films are so expensive to make. Uh and we remember reading the article that you know, where that Spielberg and Lucas both said that, you know, the death of the blockbuster is coming. So by the two, by, by the two people who initiated it. So uh, I will I will take that bet. Uh, and if they make uh, if they make a sequel to Jurassic World, um, I will buy you both around uh, at our whole. Thing. All you got to do is look at the ending with the escaped embryos and shit. Come on. That's purely for a sequel material. Yeah, because by that logic, Chris, why would they even make this movie? Yeah. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean. So I mean, it no, won't. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it won't be as good, but yeah, yeah. I want to back up a tiny bit because we're really praising the movie, but it's not. I mean, it's not that great of a movie. It's it's a really good movie, but I think uh, when I talked to one of you two, I think it was Nick on the phone. I said I just saw Jurassic World. It was really good. It was exactly what you expect from a summer blockbuster. Lots of action, extremely thin characters, no plot, <laughs> basically barely any plot. And I think those two things I just you know the 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 extremely thin characters and the and the very little plot it's not necessarily a criticism of the film but you know it's it's I think it's important for people to you know realize you know what do you expect when you go see a summer blockbuster and and this is what you expect does that make it a great film I don't know maybe I mean I really like I said I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it um will I see it again uh I might yeah I might not in the theater but um but um you know, it's it's some some of the characters are laughably stereotypical, um, especially the Bryce. What's her name? Um, Bryce Howard, Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. I think um, all the characters are yeah. laughably stereotypical. Yeah. Chris, when you mentioned gender, gender on both sides are. When you mentioned, well, I was just I was just beginning, guys. I was just beginning. She was just the first one I mentioned. Um, but uh, when you mentioned Judy Greer earlier, Nick, I would have liked to see her in that lead role. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you know, uh, I think she could have played it with new, more nuance. But they're not looking for nuance, obviously, in a in yeah. a in a film like this. You know, uh, the Chris Pratt character is you know fine, but he's like he's like the heart of the 
movie, I guess, in a way, because he understands the dinosaurs and he, you know, he has a relationship with them. But like the Vincent D'Onofrio character, uh, you know, just like you guys have seen Avatar, right? Mm-hmm. He's just like that guy in Avatar, the military guy. It's like, you know, at all costs, we're going to, you know, do the military thing. And it's very, very thin and stereotypical. And that's fine. You know, it's, it's, that's it's a, part of the genre. Yeah. yeah. It's part of the genre. I'm not like, I'm not necessarily criticizing it for that. I mean, I am, but, um, you know, it's not, it's not a perfect movie. When we start talking about Jaws later, I think we're going to find a little bit of a contrast to that. So I was saying. expecting oh, yeah. and got, you know, the military using science as pawns in this yeah. film. That's exactly, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, what, what it of delivered. Course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's not like a, it's not, that's not a strong criticism, but it is, you know, it does. I mean, there are some eye rolling moments, uh, especially towards the beginning where I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, she's the, um, you know, professional who doesn't care about other people and is too busy right. for everything else. And these are the bratty kids. And I get that the older kid doesn't, you know, it, it, but you know, it's just, it's just how it's like you said, it's a genre convention. But, um, I think when we talk about, like I said, when we talk about jaws later, we're going to find that it doesn't necessarily have to be. No. In fact, the, the, the idea here is that if screenwriters want to understand how to write, you know, for the market on, on a spec level, with the blockbuster mentality, all one has to do is use this film or many others like it, and you've got the formula down. It's a formula. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. mystical about it. Yeah. It's a formula. If you put time and effort into it, you can write Jurassic World. It's uh, it's not going to require uh, Herculean efforts. Yeah. But yeah, Jaws, on the other hand, was you know classic sort of Moby Dick literature uh, updated for the 1970s yeah. and does have more of a resonance with culture, with yeah. sure, for sure. Better characters, better motivation, better story, you know, Um, more investment and uh, preying on a fear that's much more um, palpable. Uh, The fear of the unknown, fear of the water, fear of, you know, that's, you know, we're not walking around fearing dinosaurs very often. (laughs) Well, you might not be. I, I I could not agree more. Yeah, uh, we're probably doing this backwards. We should have done Jaws first. <laughs> yeah, I did like the 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 little uh, the, and maybe it was I, I'm, I I was a little direct reference to to Jaws when they hang the shark. Yeah. Uh, for the that water oh, yeah, beast yeah, or something that comes that, up to eat it. That yeah, that was I thought that was that was yeah. kind of cute. But I I agree. It was yeah. It was it was not a great film as far as plot characters or anything like. I mean, you could say from the beginning it was. You knew exactly what was going to happen. You knew when it was going to happen. Uh, the one thing I did mention, uh, to 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 Heather when we were leaving, is that the uh, the the killings were far more uh, brutal in this uh, in this particular uh, yeah. film. It seemed where you have that Zara. I think her name is Zara, Lara, Mara, whatever her name was. The the na- like the her oh, assistant. That was, that was brutal, Chris. That was really bad. I mean, yeah. she gets tossed around by a couple of by by these these uh, pterodactyls, and then she goes <laughs> under the water, and then she gets picked at by the pterodactyls, and then she gets eaten by the that big fish thing. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. Uh, <laughs> that was really. I mean, it's just it was just it was more blood, more brutal, and and. I think it was a pteranodon, but I'm not sure. Pteranodon, sure. Yeah. Oh, I agree. That was uh, well. The transgression ceiling has changed since 1993. You know, yeah. we've had torture porn in the interstice, so right. now got to make nice. sure that we get our torture dinosaur scene. <laughs> right. 
So, right, uh, right. I, so. I kind of liked it because you know you kind of feel like she deserved it in a way for a day, <laughs> like losing the kids. So. But, well, all the I mean, I think all the people, the, the everyone who got eaten, pretty much deserved it. I mean, you know, <laughs> look at look at what this the the company that made these things is doing. I mean, it, look at what they're You're doing. You're saying they deserved it for being in the park in the first place. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, come on. You're gonna, you're gonna, spe- you're gonna sit there and be all wowed by dinosaurs. We want them bigger and more teeth and and all of this. Yeah, you deserve to get eaten by them. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, that makes me a bad person. I had no sympathy for the people who got eaten. It's like, oh well, you know, what do you expect to happen? You come to, you know, you come to a dinosaur theme park that's like, you know, Disney World on steroids and. What do you expect to happen? These things are going to happen. Great, it's a great point, Chris. I mean, we don't. Everybody collectively was crushed when when Quint gets eaten by yeah. the, the shark and Jaws, but nobody was, uh, you know, no, nobody was mourning anybody in this. Maybe the guy who ran the park. Uh, I like the actor a lot. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, I liked him too. I, too. I, I I liked the actor too. It was kind of sad that he that he died yeah, unceremoniously. He's like, he was like the most morally like, sort of responsible yeah. person uh, after the fact, I think that yeah. we, we came across. I was a little and, surprised that they that he died. Yeah. yeah. I I kind of figured he he was going to. Yeah. Uh um because they set up the they, you know, set up and pay off. They they mentioned the fact that he's 2 days away from his pilot license. Uh-huh. Right. And I'm like, "All right, that's going to affect." <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. he, yeah, yeah, I was still a little surprised, uh, and but not sad. I was like, I kind of like, oh, he's the only guy I liked in this whole thing. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> the other, the only other people I liked were uh, there's that little side um, thing going on with the with the people who work there. That guy with the, all the little dinosaurs on his yeah, console, cute. and when he goes to kiss the woman, and she's like, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> he's like, Oh, you never mentioned that. I, I thought I thought that was cute. I thought that was that fun, was cute. You know, the really funny thing about that is is in the um she actually is also in the ser- the Netflix series uh Orange is the New Black yeah. and she plays a prison guard oh and in that in that show in the second season um one of the one of the prison administrators has a crush on her and he tries to hit her and he says oh i have a boyfriend that's right <laughs> so when she says i have a boyfriend i i we we had to laugh because we've been watching uh, orange is the new black the newest season so it was just kind of fresh in our minds that's but, funny that was, that was kind of a, an unintentional parallel, I'm sure. I'll tell you, perhaps my last comment about Jurassic World in terms of um, things that I was impressed with would be that, and this is a spoiler, uh, this is a spoiler, in, in a sense it's a spoiler, um, is that uh, I was half expecting the genre contrivance of the, the big menacing dinosaur, whatever it was called, Chris, what's it called again? The Indominus, uh, Indominus Rex. Rex. Indominus Rex, although it's not actually a dinosaur. Um, I was half expecting it to come back because that's what we've been programmed since yeah. Carrie to to, right. to to do. And I was like, in the context of how the the shark, or the excuse me, the dinosaur is sort of taken out of the fight, or I was like, um, good. I hope we don't when the film doesn't soil and, or embarrass itself enough to have it come back crawling out of whatever and and i'm and, and and it didn't and i was like good because that's just stupid if you do yeah. so yeah the, the last scene of the of the the the, the indominus rex kind of like climbing out of the water and looking over its shoulder and winking at the camera kind of <laughs> right, thing. right yeah. exactly i, I half I, expected I, that as well nick yeah i half expected that i did a little bit too yeah, yeah. i'm glad they and didn't I, 
Vlad, because that then that just tacked on minutes basically because it's like we're expecting it, it comes, it's usually never it doesn't fulfill your anticipation of it in, in any expected way anymore because we've been conditioned for it. And uh, so I was much much happier to see that it was dead and stayed dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the movie, the movie, just does... like the end of Scream, right? <laughs> Not in my movie. <laughs> the movie does bring up some, uh, uh like. Uh, some kind of uh you talked about the fear of the unknown and the fear of the water and jaws i mean it does bring up some contemporary events but i think it does it in such a uh i don't know obvious and heavy-handed way that's probably not even worth talking about but like, some of the things it does bring up are um genetic engineering of course because this uh dinosaur is is not a natural dinosaur but genetically engineered and programmed from different animals so there's this kind of anxiety about you know about us playing god i think as chris mentioned earlier um and then there's also the thing about intellectual property right the um the dinosaurs that were genetically created are the property intellectual property it seems like of this uh, quasi military group because at the end they're taking him away engine uh, and so like, it does bring up some issues I, th- I think that we are kind of grappling with as a society but i don't think it does it very well or very and it's not trying to do it in a subtle way it's just you know kind of throwing it in there but i think it's worth mentioning <laughs> maybe not worth analyzing but certainly worth mentioning that it is trying to tackle some of these things in a in a you know, not entirely unsuccessful, but but fairly heavy-handed way. You guys agree with that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thoroughly. I mean, it's not much to say about that, right? You know. And, and I know really- that I think you're right on the money. Um, that that there's some. Um, uh, I don't. I, I'm, I'm I'm trying to search for the right word here, but I was gonna, you know whether I'm trying to say whether they're explicit or implicit, veiled or thinly veiled. There's definitely a lot of that going on in the film, and it and you know it, it, you're right, Eric, to some degree that I mean it does prey upon our contemporary sense of the world. There's no question there, um, and, but it it sort of housed within the whole Jurassic World milieu. It it uh, yeah it it's I I don't think I I guess we you know I think. I think I get more scared in a film like Aliens, where the the idea is to bring back the organism and weaponize it. You know, um, that because that how some somehow is just seems more claustrophobic and real to me than in Jurassic World. We're on we're on this you know Costa Rica on this island, you know, and um, there's stuff going on there with the military and and genetic testing and stuff. It just seems one a little bit too removed for me to worry about it. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and yet something, and of course in aliens, we're talking about like outer space and stuff, but somehow because you're, you know, on a ship or in a marooned world or something like that, it just makes it, I don't know, somehow more nefarious, you know, yeah. it makes the military even more nefarious when you're dealing with like, uh, I don't know, Vincent D'Onofrio is so cookie cutter in this. He's just like, yeah. you know, he's even sort of like got just the right size belly now yes. to, be, to yes. be like, you know, the bad guy and the gray and the hair's gray. And it's like almost kind of clownish. Just the way he walks. In yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I like just, an early Brian Dennehy emerging. Here, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just like he, he plays to such the stereotype. You're absolutely right. And since you mentioned Vincent D'Onofrio, I, I really like him. I really liked him on Criminal Intent, Law and Order, Criminal Intent. It's the only Law and Order I ever watched. Um, but and he, I just finished uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, Daredevil, Netflix's Daredevil, 
And he's in that, and he plays a bad guy in that, and he's really, really convincing and really oh. good, um, in my opinion, in Daredevil. So to see him in this, kind of playing up the, oh, yeah, military, you know, it's just, but, you know, I mean, that's, again, genre expectations and, yep, you know, yep, direction yep. and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yay, military, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like you said, the size of his belly, the way he walked, the it's just, Ugh. It's like you know, toothy grin and his gray yeah. hair. It's it, it's yeah. like it's like Charles Napier in uh, in in Rambo Part Two, you know, in First Blood Part Two, <laughs> uh, when he sends Rambo. It's it's uh it's hilarious, but um, yeah, I guess that's in 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 reaction to what you said earlier about science, the military, and and, and gender, uh, not gender, the DNA. Yeah, I think that's that's my response to that. Yeah, since you just accidentally. Uh, mentioned gender as maybe a Freudian slip. Um, this thing has gotten a little bit of pushback on the gender front. This movie, yeah, everything right? gets pushed back these days. That's the problem. I can't fart without people like get, being offended or writing comments to me about what my fart was to them. But yeah, I agree. They're like, um, uh, but what I found was like the gender dynamics in the film all around are really kind of very stupid and poor. But just <laughs> very the, this very very stereotypical it's it's but i you know i'm like okay i i still enjoyed it i i hope hopefully nobody out there in the world is going to uh seriously uh ignore their common sense and wear their four inch high heels for four hours being chased by dinosaurs you know i i, I don't know I'm, yeah. I'm guessing hopefully that's not gonna happen but yeah yeah, it is. I mean, the gender stereotypes are there um, for sure, especially with uh, the uh, Bryce Dallas Howard character. You know, she's, you know, this typical career woman who doesn't have time for family and is completely emotionally kind of devoid. And then she turns in after meeting the man, she turns into this kind of loving, nurturing type, you know, still in her heels for some reason. Can't figure that out, you, right. you know, but whatever. Um, yeah. The film really took a, this one took a really big step back from the first one. Cause if you look at the first one, the, the gender dynamics were actually pretty good. Cause you had, you know, Dr. Ellie Sattler, who was, who was really kind of the, the toughest nails one, mm-hmm. and she was brave and 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 all of that, and she wasn't wearing heels, um, and she wasn't you know the 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 career woman in the suit. She was a, a academic, a paleobotanist. So, you know, there was some really good things in the in the from a gender perspective in the first film, and this one just kind of tossed all of that out the window and it just did. said, "Oh well, we're just gonna go back to you know the like you said the 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 genre." Uh, with what the genre expects, the the normalities, and just have here's Chris Brett Pratt the hunk, and he's gonna, you know, make a comment about the girl in heels and come to save the day, and he's gonna right. be in charge. And, yeah. and, and the, like, heels, oh. the heels thing cracked me up because I thought, you know, this is typical Spin City. Somebody could say, like, what Herculean effort it was for her to do the whole film in her heels. She said she was not gonna take them off, and she didn't. Although then you need the money shot at the end where, um, I mean, they're all in their sort of like refugee encampment and it needs to be the close up of her rubbing her feet with their heels next to it. You know, like there's at least there's the payoff for all the talks about her high heels or was Gucci one of the major sponsors of the film? I don't know. <laughs> well, there like, were so many. I can't tell. They probably uh, would have been. 
you know, I was hoping that was going to be there. Or you could, or or you conversely, you could say how ridiculous the whole thing is. And so, I mean, you can just argue that however you want about the high heels. But yeah, the idea that they're coupling at the end there, and that she's been, her career ambitions have been tamed because she found the right guy, and now she's more open to having kids. And all. So, I mean, obviously, all of that's there. Um, there's no denying it. Yeah, we were just joking about, and we literally did this during the movie, where every time there was a new, um, a very obvious product uh. placement. Yeah. Heather and I nudged each other. <laughs> I know it was so. They don't even try to hide it anymore. It's so obvious the product placements. Yeah, the thing that bothers me about the like gender dynamics in films like this is just the laziness of the writing. You know, it's oh, kind yeah. of that's it, 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 that as much as it is anything else. Um, but you know, you don't again. You don't go to a summer blockbuster. You go. You go to see the dinos fighting. You know, when you guys were talking about how brutal the. Um, the, some of the killings were. Uh, yeah. Rebecca pointed out to me that in the crowd scenes, when, uh, like, for example, when those um, pterodactyls or whatever they were, the flying creatures were right. tagging people, when you look at the people running away, you don't see any children, hmm. which is interesting, right? Because it's a park for kids, right? But there are no right. children, and there are no children eaten either. If wow. I were a dino, I'd be going for the kids, you know what I'm saying? I think uh, they wanted to avoid that of course they did of course they did yeah yeah of course they did but it was just kind of interesting she's like you know this is all adults and i was like oh yeah, yeah. i mean if yeah it makes sense right i mean i would probably make yeah. the same decision but it's kind of interesting you have these gruesome deaths but they're still protecting the kids in a way so yeah yeah so uh so this director did safety not guaranteed before this that was his mm-hmm. only other film just wow um yeah I think Nick might have brought that up to me uh, on the phone, but uh, I love Safety Not Guaranteed. I really thought that was a good movie, but that this is a big thing to to trust somebody with who has okay. one feature <laughs> film, and and the and the film he has is pretty, you know, it's pretty low budget and simple, and you know, and cute. Um, I think the cute factor comes through in this, but. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big thing, but you know, he's, now he's got the highest grossing film of all time or whatever it is, whatever white record is going to break yeah, by the time we air. Opening so, month or whatever. It yeah, is. I don't know. Yeah. Well, by the time we, with this, today's the 3rd of July, so for listeners in the future, this is, we're talking from the point of view of July 3rd, 2015. Um, by July 7th, when this <laughs> drops, it'll probably be even more. But Especially yeah. with the holiday holiday weekend. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So good. Have we uh, have we done this? Have we exhausted this one? I think so. I'm going to give it a, a, a definitely a highly recommend if you're looking for uh, senseless, uh, mindless blockbuster entertainment. You can't really do any better than Jurassic World right now. It's very yeah. true. Of, I agree. A lot of fun. I agree. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, let's uh, let's move on to Jaws. I'm going to stop. photography segment two we're going to talk about the first blockbuster 1975 jaws which came out 40 years ago um last month so june 20th 1975 is when jaws came out and uh what a great way what a great pair of movies (laughs) to to put together this is great um 
they were playing they played jaws at the uh we have this thing called top of the park here in ann arbor and it's they do outside movies outdoor movies and i wanted to i asked ada if she wanted to go she's 11 and she's like i don't want to see jaws yet because i don't want to be afraid of sharks <laughs> i think you're always gonna be afraid of sharks. <laughs> they're terrifying yeah it's probably a <laughs> good a- idea to be afraid of sharks i suppose but she's but... probably smart and saying i don't want to be terrified of them right now right, right. <laughs> I'd be terrified of them later maybe i later. want to be able to go into the ocean and not and enjoy it and not oh yeah bookmark that for me chris i'll, I'll talk i'll tell you more about that later okay <laughs> okay are you talking about the news stuff that we were talking about no about how i spent the entire summer of 76 in spain and mm. never went out deeper than my waist because I was totally afraid I gotcha. that I was going to be eaten by a shark. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking uh, before I hit record that um, just in the, in the last week, there were all these shark attacks in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. There were like two two teenagers, like a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old got some limbs bitten off, and some old man got bitten by a shark uh, just yesterday. And I was telling Nick that maybe they uh, maybe they paid the shark to, to do this you know to, or the media i don't know because like, for the just, for the timing with jaws yeah not the timing with jaws but the timing of the july 4th weekend too which yeah, is the big, right. the big part you know like you know martin nobody's going in the water you know it's right like, it's like, like the classic old you know monday's the fourth and those beaches will be open you know? <laughs> exactly you do whatever you have to do to make the beaches safe of course, that's the other thing with Jaws. You say Jaws, and everybody's gonna start quoting it. You know, yeah, right. for sure. I think we're gonna sure. need a bigger boat. Yep. Yeah. So maybe this thing in North Carolina is like they're doing maybe a documentary version of Jaws. It's just every maybe Jaws forty years ago was predictive of what's about to happen this weekend in North <laughs> Carolina. Yeah. Well, it's you know the 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 one sort of like fact is that as uh, as as Martin excuse me, as uh, Hooper says in the film, he's like, now, you, you know, you're going to, you're going to kill the shark. You're going to cut off its food supply. And that's basically this, the problem they're having on the coast in North Carolina or wherever this other shark attacks occur is that, you know, like if you're just going to c- continue to feed them, they're going to stick around. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So Nick, I know you know this film really, really well. This is one of your favorite films. I've seen it over a thousand times. Yeah. Wow. So, that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nick, talk to us about Jaws. <laughs> uh, it's one of the it's one of the films that I really enjoy teaching in history of film, and I know that uh, you guys have taught it too. I know Chris has. I don't know Eric. I'm not sure if you taught it before, but it's it um, it's probably the most important film of the '70s. You know, and importance in quotes. Uh, I'm not saying favorite or greatest, but probably the most important because it completely sort of revolutionized the way in which films got made. It was, um, you know, it was already a very heavily front-loaded film because it had been a number one bestseller, you know, and uh, um, and it, it had a very famously troubled production, which made the headlines all the time. And people were obviously anticipating it. It had this great cast from this new, talented, up up-and-coming director, and um, they were incredibly aggressive in their marketing campaign. They opened it, uh, they did a nationwide opening of it, you know, rather than a regional release, having print struck and doing the United States regionally. They think they opened it over, I'd have to look up the statistic, I forgot, but it's like four, I think four to 500 screens across the country. So they did a mass uh, um, exhibition of it, and it coupled with a really aggressive marketing campaign. 
uh, including buying buying radio time, buying TV spots, which was a first, you know, doing the Super Bowl promotion of it. Um, by which time, you know, John Williams' famously two-note, you know, uh, sort of like undulating theme, um, pulsating theme had already been written. And, and so the appetite was there, no pun intended. And uh, it didn't disappoint. Everybody went nuts over Jaws. And uh, on a personal note, I think I've told this story before. I'm not, I'm not sure. My dad was going to take my brother and I to, to the uh, drive-in to see it in 75. But he saw it like a couple nights before with a friend of his. And then he came over with two gifts. One was the, the, the Jaws. Um, oh, what's it called? I even brought a picture up of it. The, uh, uh, the Jaws Ideal Toy Company toy where you're you're fishing out like skeletons and wagon wheels from the jaws's his his jaw jaws's <laughs> jaws the shark's jaws and then when the jaws close you lose <laughs> spring loaded and uh that was for me and for my brother he had this great shark uh in a in a glass bottle that was chasing a um scuba diver which was on a really thin filament that you could barely see just attached to the shark so swimming swimming away it was great and he told us that He'd already seen it, and that our mom would kill us because uh, there's just too much blood. There is a, you know, there's a bloody. He even said, and it's so funny because he's like, I can't take you to it. There's a bloody leg that falls to the bottom of the sandy floor, you know. And you're like, <laughs> and my mom's like, Well, if you're gonna tell him about it, <laughs> take him. How, how old were you guys? Uh, I was what five and a half. Rick was uh, nine and a half or ten. Oh boy, mm. I was going to rated R movies just a couple years later than that. But yeah, I damn it, I really wanted to see Jaws, and uh, and then I guess the last thing I can say right now is that um, uh, what I mentioned a minute earlier was that then the next summer, but so like less than a year after Jaws was out and people were like afraid to go into swimming pools, I was in the Atlantic for an entire summer, and I just couldn't. I, I was so scared. I was like a you know the shower victim after watching Psycho. I just was scared to death to go into the water or, or go into the shower um, because that movie had sort of traumatized the entire nation about, you know, swimming and, and, and for good reason. I mean, we still have, uh, I mean, that's, you know, you're like ringing the dinner bell. <laughs> <Come in. laughs> well, it traumatized the filmmakers too. Spielberg and Dreyfus uh, and their families went on a vacation after filming wrapped. I think it was in Hawaii yes. and Spielberg and Dreyfus refused to go in the water. <laughs> they, they, they didn't go swimming in the ocean. I think it's Spielberg and, and Lucas. Oh, was it Spielberg and Lucas? Okay, okay. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't. They would not go in the water. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, that's great. It's yeah. It's scary. I mean, I saw. It, I didn't see it in the theaters. Um, I must have been three. Um, I remember seeing Jaws two in theaters. But it was a while before I saw the first Jaws. You know, it was later in my adolescence, probably. And, you know, I had the same effect, obviously. Uh, it's, it's, you know, like you said in segment one, Nick, like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of dinosaurs, right? But, you know, every time I go into the ocean, I'm kind of looking around, like, oh, is there a shark over there? You know, yeah, something brushes your foot. You, uh -huh. know, you, can, just, you can be in the lake, you know, and something yeah. brushes your foot and you go nuts. Yeah. Yeah, and if it weren't for the movie, I don't know if we'd have the same fear. We probably would, but maybe not as much because you can visualize it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I have taught the film once, uh, once or twice back a long time ago. It's been a very long time since I've uh, used it for teaching. 
Well, I should go back to it because, like you said, it's a very important film, and it's so there's so much to talk about. You know, uh, for, like just formal elements and and uh, the impact it had on the movie industry, uh, which we still feel today in, to a large extent. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's special for sure. Robert, it's very Tom. useful. Robert, very yeah, very him. useful. Um, and, and well, you know, I mean, like the all all the studios had, had fallen to chopping blocks by that time. You know, Paramount going down first, and then uh, Universal later, which is a Universal film. But you know, all those ownership paradigms had so radically changed that in the seventies they looked to the artists on which on how to run the industry because all these MBAs, you know, like. Like, you know, uh, at uh, Gulf Western, had no idea how to run Paramount, you know. They knew how to run a business, but they didn't know anything about filmmaking. So they looked to the, the artists. They looked to the Coppolas and the Pogdanoviches and the uh, um, Scorseses uh, and um, the Spielbergs to say, um, how, do we, how do we do this? You know, how do we, uh, how, how do you suggest that we... Um, you know, uh, uh, populate uh, the screens with product. And, um, you know, and so again, they go to people like Hal Ashby and stuff. And they they made these quiet, smaller films in the 70s, you know, things like Hal Ashby, like 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 Coming Home mm-hmm. or, um, or Rocky, which goes on to win Best Picture and stuff like that. But at the same time, they were slowly cultivating which uh, uh, was residual leftover stuff from the 50s and 60s, somewhat of a blockbuster mentality, but just differently framed differently. So like the Poseidon Adventure, a lot of spectacle, The Exorcist, Godfather. These were, these were like major, major, you know, blockbuster hits, quote unquote, but not quite yet still in the same way that Jaws became one, you know, with the merchandising, the front loading, the aggressiveness of the entire thing. Uh, they just laid the template for the modern blockbuster. And as Robert Towne said, says brilliantly in the Decade Under the Influence documentary, he's like, you know, Spielberg made this great movie and Hollywood learned all the wrong lessons from it. By the end of the 80s with like things like Ishtar and, you know, um, uh, Heaven's Gate, um, they said, well, we've given the, the artist too much control now. And now they're giving us flops and shit. So it's like, okay, we got it. Thanks for showing us how to do this, and then that's it's they've been in the rearview mirror ever since, and that's that's really kind of uh, an oversimplified but accurate um, sort of lineage of of that '70s uh, vibe and and how the new ownership paradigm sort of just took on the the artists and said um, we're going to give you the financial net means and what you need to make these films, and they did, and then they're like thanks for teaching us we got it now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it from here. Take it from here. And they, that's, you know, and this is not my, I'm not exposing my own theories on this. This is sort of just well-documented, uh, it's been written in film history. Yeah. It's interesting that like, uh, Chris mentioned, I think in segment one, the, uh, the idea that the, the blockbuster is it's, it's, it's on its way out. It's gonna, it's gonna crash the industry basically. Right. And it was, um, I think we've talked about this before on this podcast and it was, it was like Spielberg and Lucas who said this, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, like you said, the guys who kind of made the blockbuster back then, and, and maybe that's um, the kind of logical end of what you're talking about, Nick. You know, this, this this is 
what that type of mentality leads to, perhaps. You know, this idea that you have an over-reliance on blockbusters and it becomes formulaic, not just in plot, but in release schedule and advertising and all that stuff. And and all it takes is a couple of flops and the whole thing's going to... Go belly up. ...going to crumble. See, but that's just, the only problem is, is that now that the studios are just so part of a horizontal uh, mm-hmm. integration, you know, uh, with, with these multinationals, it's just one, I mean, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't really hurt them that much. I don't right. think so they, they have so many corporate holdings spread across various industries like Disney, uh, or, you know, Comcast, uh, they, they, they own all these, uh, these studios, they own all the theme parks, they own all the subsidiaries thereof. It's like, if they take a bath, they still are breaking in billions of dollars from their GE hot point appliances or their aircraft or their military <laughs> contracts. Yeah. I mean, like, so it, it, I don't know that it's necessarily gonna, because the economics are so different now, yeah. because these are, we had, you know, 50 corporations in, in 1980 and we've got five, maybe four if Comcast and Time mm-hmm. Warner merge. So yeah. I don't know if, it's, if, if, if that would be the case. I agree. I, I think, think that's so, the one, I think you're right. I think that's the one hole in that argument. Um, is the the diversification uh, in these companies and and the number of things they hold and the international scope of the audience as well? I think those things. I think were, that, are good you hedges. don't get the sequel then if if if, uh, mm-hmm. if it's a flop, but you'll still get the next blockbuster. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think that's the one uh, hole in that in that argument. Uh, you would think though, with all of that, that they would take more chances on smaller films, but I guess the margins <sighs> oh, not the same. You know. Yeah, that was Soderbergh's big beef. Remember, uh-huh. he's like, "For God's sakes, I can't make, I can't even make my Liberace film for, for you know, for what I want to make it for, which is nothing." Yeah, yeah, uh, it's uh, um, and yet you know, you'd think executives would be much more willing because it, it's the small. I mean, the return of investment on a smaller film, if it should click, yeah, you know, like a a, a full Monty or a Blair Witch or or you know, one of these films that basically just catches the public's fancy and goes on to make. Um, you know, like Slumdog goes on to make like you know hundreds of millions of dollars, and and cost you know peanuts. 12. Yeah, twelve to make. Yeah. There's a wonderful return on investment there. For but sure. the problem is, is their their antenna. They don't know how to smell that. They can smell blockbuster easy because it's a formula, but they don't know how to predict what films will catch the public fancy. Right. Know? Yeah, and well, with that little money, they could you could fund lots of them, and if one hits, you're fine. You know, <laughs> if one just, hits, there you go. Yeah, yeah but that's not, that's not how it works. Um, so, and that makes the '70s and uh, maybe even the early '80s kind of a magical time in a way. Oh boy, does it! You know, it's just uh, when we do our top seven, top ten of the '70s, I think we're gonna find some you know interesting. Um, you know, films that the things that you know wouldn't get made today. Absolutely, and Jaws. I don't know. Jaws might be one of them. I'm not sure. Uh, certainly, the way it was made, right? Uh, oh, could, yeah. they, could they make Jaws today? Yeah, no. Jaws would be. I don't think Jaws would be greenlit. Well, except for one thing, it's a hot. It was a hot book. You know, hot literary property. So, yeah. um, I guess it would be made. It's just a question of. I mean, then. Wow, I mean, it was just such a legendary over, you know, over product, over uh, budget and yeah. over shooting schedule. Um, you know, Spielberg said no other film taught him taught him reverence for nature than than that floating on a barge in Martha's Vineyard. Um, you know, and just getting bitten beaten up by the sea. 
day in, day out, day in, day out, the salt water destroying all the uh, the uh, pneumatics on the shark and the tide moving the the barge. And so the camera shot was all you know, screwed up and a plane would go overhead. So they'd have to hold up or, or a ship would be in the background or a parasailer. So they'd have to hold production today. You could just digitally, you know, erase that. But I mean, he's just like, you know, they drop anchor and then the tide would wreak havoc with them. He said, you know, obviously you shoot this in a, in a large pool in the universal back lot, you know, which is where he did pickups, but like shooting on the sea, he, it was, was just like total, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hubris. But, uh, by the same token, look what it does to jaws. You know? Yeah. He said, I need to go out a mile from some basic, uh, beach, some, some coastline and have the camera, you know, pan 360. And I don't want to see, I don't want to see land anywhere. I want the audience to know, to feel like we're completely effed, you know, out here in the middle of the Atlantic. But I, I also just want us to be within a mile of the shore. That's, of course, <laughs> I chose Martha's Vineyard because you can go out, look around and see nothing and yet just be like right near Martha's Vineyard. So. And true. it had a sandy bottom of like only, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred feet tops. Uh, so they could do it all. And, but look what it did. You know, it destroyed them. They shot everything on land in like a month. And then it was like, I don't know, six months at sea. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, contrast that to uh, something like Life of Pi, where you have this kid on this barge on a green screen, and they're just throwing water at him you yeah, know, for, exactly. you know, for a week. You right. know? That's basically how they did it. You know, they'd rock it, yeah. and they'd throw water at him. They'd throw shit at him, you know, and then just you know throw everything in in cg which is it's a gorgeous film i don't know if you guys have seen it's it it's gorgeous um, yeah i mean but, it is very beautiful to watch be like oh my god these guys got it easy you know? yeah exactly exactly you know it's it's there's something to i mean to jaws that you know that with that mechanic and the other thing too is the mechanical shark right that the the big anecdote that comes out of that for editing is you can't you can't show the whole shark and you can only show the shark for small pieces of time because it doesn't look that realistic, right? Exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. So he learned a lot with editing too, and that's that's one of those those lessons. Yeah, well, it's, it's 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 the old uh, you know Grand Guignol adage that thing you know it's it's far more scarier what you don't see than what you do see. Mm-hmm. So when you imply, you know. The, the shark is around that's a lot more terrifying than oh, yeah. when you actually see it oh yeah 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 jaws taught so many i mean yeah i mean there's a film school in in jaws it's one of those film school movies yeah uh, oh yeah watch and just like all the dial it's beautifully shot and and the 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 script just is perfect mm-hmm. and it's got these likable salty characters and and uh it's got such clear-cut motivations uh, goals are obvious. Yeah, uh, it's primal. Um, you know, it's 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 tender. It's got heart. It's it's it as, as Robert Town said, Spielberg made a masterpiece, and then Hollywood kind of fucked it all up um, mm. for the past forty years. Uh, and and that's and that's harsh to say that, but you know, because um, we've obviously had a lot of uh, fun in the last forty years. But yeah. yeah, I mean, this has kind. Of, we're all kind of in 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 burnout with blockbusters. Um, but obviously we're not, <laughs> right? If they're making record gross, like well, we I are. Guess that's it. I mean, I guess it really <laughs> depends on what it be. is. I think yeah. I think things like 
Transformers might have burned themselves uh, up, although I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, I, I know. Either. I never cared for those films. Me neither. But I'm not the target audience. Uh, right. But um, you know, my big my surprise love of last year was Guardians of the Galaxy. I enjoyed that immensely, um, and that was kind of uh, blockbuster done with with you know heart and character again, and 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 wit and intelligence to support all the spectacle. So, yeah, I. Uh... I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy yet. It's on my list because I think I propose doing a Marvel thing maybe for the next what? episode, which I know Chris is going to hate, but whatever. Um, That's all right. But um, you know, but you know, you think about. Um, I, I agree with Nick. Like it's like as far as blockbusters go, there will be one a year that you're like, oh yeah, and the rest you, you feel obligated to go to, and you kind of forget them immediately after. And I think that for me, Jurassic World might be the one where I say, oh yeah, okay, cool, you know. Um, but you you have to you shouldn't have to be pleasantly surprised by a blockbuster, I guess. Isn't that, isn't that but, true? Yeah, it's a great way to put it. You know. I think that's why I enjoy our Chris Nolan episode so much. Mm. Here, here's a guy that started off making smaller films, graduated to the blockbuster, uh, whether he even wanted to or not, graduated into the blockbuster um, echelon, and then now has sort of like matched his blockbuster budgets to ideas and themes that don't necessarily have to fall into that sort of blockbuster yeah. template. Why, why we get things like inception and interstellar and, you know, which I think I, I loved obviously. So that that's also a possibility that we may get more filmmakers and films like that have blockbuster DNA, but also are really provocative and intelligent and push cinema, you know? Yeah. Yeah, let's let's hope so anyway, because I know we complain. We complain about blockbusters a lot. I hear people just in general complaining about blockbusters, but they make so much money, so people are obviously seeing them yeah. domestically. I'm not even talking about the international audience. Like people here are seeing them, obviously. So it's it, it's a hard argument to make that they've kind of overstayed their welcome or that they're not that good. But we all kind of know that they're not that good anymore. <laughs> it's really weird, you know. But they diversified the diet more. Uh, then yeah. maybe they could truly gauge how blockbusters are doing. Yeah, blockbusters are kind of like McDonald's, where you you, you know it's bad, uh, but yet people still eat it. Yeah, you know, it, 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 McDonald's is shit. It's terrible food if you can even call it that. But yet, you know what? People still eat it. People still go there. They still are still millions and millions served. Uh, you know and. Yeah. That's why it continues, and that's the same thing with, with, uh, with blockbusters. The only uh, problem is, is, is on that street where the people are living. There's like seven McDonald's, and then there's one like organic grocer. So yeah, right. well, that's the issue, Maybe. right? So the problem is, is that I think st- people are generally going to the blockbuster because they don't have that much knowledge of what else is out there. For example, I was told last night that this new Brian Wilson film. Um, oh yeah. Is 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 really you know very excellent, and yeah. I'll go see it. But how much marketing is that getting versus right. Jurassic World or something like that? Yeah. Right, like, which actually ties directly into the McDonald's thing because I haven't been to McDonald's lately, but I'll bet there are dinosaurs on the cups. You know, oh yeah, sure. And so, oh, I'm sure there are dinosaurs no, in the cups. No, you know, Beach Boys cups, right? So right, that's, right. That's yeah. the, well, and that's that's a very good point, Nick. Um, because my closest independent theater. Uh, is well over a half hour away. Now, does that stop me from going? No, no, no of course not. 
does it stop a lot of people from going? Absolutely. Yeah. Why would you, you know? Why would you go see the Brian Williams film in Amherst? It's an hour away when you can go down the street to the Cinemagic and see Jurassic World or see Avengers Five. You know why? You know, <laughs> right, and, right. and have it, yeah. lots of shit get thrown yeah. up. And yeah. I, I do have to go back to Jurassic World for a second here, just to tell a quick story, which was uh, I went and saw it with my mom. She really enjoyed it too, and. But for about the first 15, 12, 12, about 12, 10 to 12 minutes of the film, um, I kept hearing this phone ringing. And I thought it was part of the soundtrack. And everybody else thought it was part of the soundtrack. There's scenes where uh, Bryce Howard's characters, you know, in, in like an office. And so I would just assume that it was part mm-hmm. of the soundtrack. And no, it turned out to be somebody calling a phone every 10 seconds and it would ring and ring and ring and i just at one point i just stood up and there was a fair amount of people in the theater i'm like phone you know question mark and everybody was kind of like by this point going what the hell is that like 10 solid minutes of a phone ringing we were starting to get well somebody had lost their phone it had fallen Uh, out of their uh pocket or something uh, and they just kept calling it and calling it and calling (laughs) it and calling it in hopes that maybe someone would pick up and say you know Yes. Uh, I lost my phone. Funny. Where is it? You know? Well, um, and that's exactly what happened. Somebody walked down, found it on the floor in the front of the theater, and then walked out, I think, and just gave it to Lost and Found. Um, that's never happened to me before. I couldn't even pay attention in the first 10, 12 minutes because this phone was constantly ringing. But again, while I was in the theater, yup, people, if they could, at the very least, like students these days, at least will like dim their phone way, 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 way down, you know? There's people down in front of me, and they're on their phone during the film, checking Facebook or whatever. And, you know, the displays are so bright, you know, especially contrasted against that darkness. And I'm like, I just, I'm having such a hard time going to films these days because I just, it winds up giving me anxiety and frustration because I don't want to get into a fight, but I'm also have like no tolerance for that. That's why it was so, when when you and I went and saw Nick, when we saw Blue Jasmine, it was nice because, we were the youngest people in the theater. Yeah. So everybody there was older. <laughs> it was an art house type environment and people didn't have their phones out. I mean, I, I rarely go to um, main the the main the, the big theater chains to go see film because of the fact that it's it's I, I I will and I will actually say stuff. I mean, I've gotten into verbal altercations with people because I'll tell them to, you know, turn off their fucking phone. And uh oh yeah, oh yeah. We need a uh, I need to make a sound drop uh of like something like old man Schlegel or it's rant time or something. We yeah, I love or we should have a special segment. Where did you see it, Nick? Star Southfield. Well, that one's minutes, a good one. I mean, who know, wants a phone ringing for twelve <laughs> minutes driving everybody nuts? Really you know, that's I probably go terrible. more movies than you guys do, it's and very it's lazy. like that's, that's that doesn't unusual. happen that's, all that's the time, a, but it happens enough that it it gets it gets annoying. Um, it's a question of when you go. That's a big deal yeah, too, you yeah, know. And yeah. uh, by the way, though, Chris mentioned Blue Jasmine. Uh, we have to all, you know, like uh, that's a wrap. Secret handshake time. Um, Woody's new film's ready to drop, so yep. you, everybody. I think the public can expect us to do our new, our Woody coverage um, with uh, Irrational Man. Yeah, I can't wait good. to see it. Can't wait. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it as well. Nick, did you see so, Fading Gigolo? No. Are we oh done, my god! Are we done with Jaws, amazing. you guys? <laughs> what are we done with jaws 
I was in Jaws, okay? I don't need this. <laughs> I'm going to put that sound drop in as well when I edit, maybe. Um, um, I would say that uh, my closing comments on Jaws are, it's in my top three favorite films of all time. And um, I've watched it, yeah, well over a thousand times. I consider it a friend. It's one of those things that just got me into cinema deeply, deeply, that and stuff like Natalie Wood, you know. Um, it's one of those films that's just scarred on my memory. And uh, I, when I say a thousand times, it's not a joke. I have seen it over a thousand times. Yeah, and one of the reasons is because that, um, uh, my friend Mike Mike Morgan, his dad had a Betamax in the, in the like, I think they got it around 77. Ooh. And, um, it, you know, 77, I, coincidentally, I think was the first year that Jaws was actually, you know, like on the ABC Saturday Night Movie or whatever. And, uh, you know, it had done, done its two years in the theater and it was time for television syndication. Of course, they recorded it. So every time I go over to Mike's, which was two, three times a week, what do we do? We watch Jaws, you know? <laughs> I mean, so like. Didn't you tell just, me before that there was a period where you would uh, turn it on when you went to sleep, when you went to bed? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still do. <laughs> I still do. You I mean, it's, it's that close of a friend, you know? Um, I just, and it's just, and now this this Blu-ray presentation of it, this most recent one, is just exquisite. Ooh, I, mean, I haven't seen that yet. Great. It looks great. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, that's cool. I was going to ask you about that because when you said thousands earlier, I know there are listeners who are trying to do the math and like, how in the world could he have seen it thousands of times? So, yeah, that's thousand, over a thousand. Over I mean, a thousand. I did over the thousand. math on it, you know, yeah. and once I got over a thousand, I was like, all right, well, I've seen it over a thousand. Times. Over a thousand is good enough. Yeah. There well, something, yeah, yeah. Something Chris said earlier about Jaws about the uh, fear of the unknown, and you know, you don't show all of the shark and all that stuff. Um, by contrast, uh, Jurassic World, you know, those sh- there were three separate times when Chris Pratt is hiding behind something, usually like a vehicle or something, and the dinosaur in Dominus Rex comes in and starts sniffing around. And you see his big old eyeball. You know what I'm talking about? Yep, yep. The first time, it's super intense and like you know, you're just tense right the second time you're like well i've already seen this and the third time you're like why are you doing this again <laughs> do you guys agree with that One yeah. two times and too many times in the well too many times to the well yeah you know and i think the scarier parts of the movie where we're when he's camouflaged and you don't know exactly where the dinosaur is and you see the blood dropping onto that vehicle the kids are in well that was awesome you know yeah, that was awesome. But then this whole like sniff, sniff, eyeball. You're like, um, okay, all right. It's like, well, you know, the writers are like, all right, so we've got another scene where the dinosaurs may or may not eat them. Uh, let's do sniff, sniff, eye, eye, and then move on to a close shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty Would you much, imagine if Jaws did that? If there was like this moment in Jaws where like you know the the Jaws kind of stops and pauses and Quentin. Jaws are looking at each other, or the, the shark are looking at. Each, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you know the thing about Jaws is like I mean, Benchley wrote it, but then Spielberg it knew instinctively that that would be so cinematic to use the barrels. You know, the barrels are the are the mm-hmm. sig- you know the sign that the shark is back. It's yeah. just like oh, those beeping barrels. You know, so you don't even have to see the shark, but those freaking beeping barrels. Genius, absolute genius, genius. absolutely. Yeah, it is. Chris, any closing remarks on Jaws? Yeah, I'll I'll agree with Nick. It's one of my favorites. I uh, obviously haven't seen it as many times as he did, <laughs> uh, but uh, I teach this film every semester, so um, 
I've come to have a good have a really good relationship with it uh, as well. And I, I love all the backstories about it. Just one one yeah. story that that I actually tell my students, and I think is in the and Spielberg tells it on one of the documentaries I've seen, is when the film premiered, uh, and Spielberg was at the back of the auditorium watching. And at the very uh, very early on in the film, when when uh, young Adam uh, Adam is that his name who gets killed, the five year old. Oh no, no. Uh, Kittner Alex. Kit- Alex 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 Kittner gets killed. Uh, a guy gets up from the in the auditorium and starts walking towards the back, and Spielberg is thinking to himself, "Oh, I've got my first walkout." Yep. And as he's 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 he starts to run up the the aisle and. Spielberg's like, no, wait, it's a run out. And then Spielberg <laughs> actually watches him as he exits the auditorium and runs into the lobby and just pukes. Nice. And yeah, and Spielberg, and I tell that to my students and my students are, you know, oh, wow. And Spielberg then thinks, I think I might have gone too far. Yep. Yeah, no, that. that's, that's a good story, Chris. Yeah. It's a great story. My students love it. And it's, just, it's one of those great things that, that as good as the film is, I think I enjoy all of the backstory uh, to it just as much. Uh, it's just, it's so much fun. And the, the, the simplicity of the score, you know, it's like right, yeah. John Williams, you know, three notes, three notes, you know, da, 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 da. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, and it's just, it's such a, such a great, wonderful, wonderful film. To add to what Chris said about teaching it, I am always so pleasantly surprised uh, I guess to the point where I'm not even surprised anymore that students really react really favorably to Jaws. They're glad. That I yeah, uh, I it, agree. It, it it just it sort of adds to its uh, the idea that it's a film for all times and all ages. It's so well done that it doesn't matter if the effects are from the analog days. They they're they're just yeah. It 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 just as in terms of storytelling, Spielberg, young, brave, fearless, courageous. A little insane, delivered a masterpiece. You know, I have never had students react negatively to Joss. Yeah, me either. No. How many? Um, do you do surveys in your class? Or like show of hands, how many people have seen the film before you? Yes. Show it? Yeah. Yes. Me too. Pretty low numbers. Usually, about half of them have seen it, but okay. it say they always go. But it's been a long time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Same here. Pretty much same results, Nick. And then the other half have not. So. Yeah, and the other half that have not want to see it—that's yeah. the beautiful thing. They're like, "Oh, Jaws." My parents talk about this film. You know? <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of that. I get a lot of that too. My oh, my parents love this movie. Oh, you know, my yeah. grandparents love this movie. Hopefully, well, none a, of them will be offended and then sue us now. I have a summer semester. <laughs> I have a s- <laughs> God, Nick. <laughs> I, sorry, I uh. <laughs> I have a class that starts on Tuesday, a new a summer semester class. But I think uh, you guys have persuaded me to re-add Jaws to the syllabus. I think I might do that. Good. It's a good summer movie anyway, so maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll show it to him on Tuesday, on the first. Well, maybe not the first day. Good idea. Thursday. Just make sure you call it Jaws. Just say we're gonna watch Jaws. I was in Jaws. <laughs> I don't need this. I was in Jaws. I was in Jaws. It's Richard Dreyfuss. I don't need this. <laughs> Sorry, I mean you guys probably remember that Star Wars skit on uh, the casting for Star Wars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That Richard Dreyfuss bit always cracks me up. Daryl Hammond is so funny. It's, it's, I was in charge. I don't. Oh god, that's funny. <laughs> you should, Eric. It it it. Uh, I mean, it definitely. Uh, it, it, yeah, I think I will. I think I will. It'll be good. Um, 
I wish I could show it like today, the day before Fourth of July, <laughs> but I'm not in class. I'm glad I'm not in class, but you know what I mean. So great. Okay, good. I think we've done this. I think we've done think a good so. podcast. So uh, let's wrap I this agree. up. Um, you can find show notes at that's a wrap show dot com. Um, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, there are a couple ways you can do that. Uh, one is we do have a Patreon account, and uh, we you know, would like to thank the people who do support us on Patreon. And we'll put a link in the uh, at the website at that'srapshow.com to uh, to that. And the way that works is if you want to pledge a little money, uh, a buck, two bucks, five bucks per episode. Uh, it will be subtracted from your bank account and we will thank you and everything will be happy and we can actually maybe get back to zero on this thing. Um, that's one way to do it. Another way, if you don't want to spend money um, on us, we do have an Amazon affiliate program that uh, I'll put a link in that as well. If you go to that'srapshow.com slash Amazon before you go buy your Amazon Echo or your textbooks or whatever, we'll get a tiny little kickback out of that. So you're not paying any extra money, but you know, just a way for you to show us your love by going there first. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes at that'srapshow.com as well. And for That's a Wrap, I'm Eric Marshall. And I'm Nick Schlegel. And I'm Christopher Gullen. And we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Happy 4th, everybody. Happy 4th. Those beaches, those beaches will be open. <laughs> those beaches will be open. Cut. That's a wrap. Did you enjoy like- Jurassic World? Yeah. What was your favorite um, favorite part of the movie? Oh, I like the part when um they save the people What's and that? and I like the part that 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 when we, when when I felt like I was playing a video game. I like those parts, the one you- at the end and and the one. And, and the one that I felt like I was playing video games.